welcome to the Emerging Leaders Podcast. My name is Katrina Bates, and I am on the ride of my life helping launch a brand new school of ministry at United with Christ Church in Central New York. As you spend time with me, we will discuss practical strategies to help us better discern God's leading, navigate obstacles, and emerge as leaders in this generation. At United with Christ School of Ministry, it's our assignment from God to help you accelerate your calling to build the culture of heaven on earth. If you're interested in learning more about our movement and gaining access to more resources, visit our website, uwcsom.com, and follow uwcsom on Instagram. All right, Kingdom Builders, let's dig in. Yay, welcome back, everybody. Today is a really special day because I have Eve Repecki with me, and she is a special leader in my life, a friend, a a mentor, and I can't wait for you guys to hear some of her story and to hear her heart. Um, Just want to recap, this podcast, the Emerging Leaders Podcast, is about empowering you to see yourself as a leader because... I believe that if you're in Christ, you have been called as a leader in this world to be a culture shifter, um, a heart transformer. Um, You're part of a holy nation and a royal priesthood. So um, in Romans 12, it lists a bunch of gifts, and leadership is one of them. But I don't think that means only some people are leaders, because faith is also one of those gifts. And we would never say that only some people have faith. Like, faith is a prerequisite for being in Christ. So in the same way, we should all be pushing to increase our leadership um, persona and carry it in a a bigger, more Christ-like way. So Eve, you do that so well. You're such a leader by by trade. It's who you are. It's what you show up with. Um, And you've also you have a fivefold call on your life. So for our listeners, when I say fivefold call, I'm talking about apostles, pastors, um, teachers, evangelists, and what did I miss? Prophets. Prophets, thank you. Um, you have a call for that on your life. Um, so you are called to be an equipper of the mm-hmm. saints who are leaders and ministers. So when did you really start hearing that call from God? When did you start knowing that that's what you were made for, not just an everyday job? Right. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Um, And yeah, I think from the time I was a young girl, actually when I was, I I was between the age of five and eight. I don't know exactly how old I was. Mm -hmm. One day I, my parents found me in my room and I was packing my bags and they were like, where are you going? I've never heard this story. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I just have to go tell people about Jesus. They don't know. They need to know. And I need to go tell them. And at that moment, my parents said they were like gripped because I was crying and I was so compelled Mm -hmm. um, to go and minister the gospel. And they didn't want to squash that. So they were very, they very carefully, you know, walked me through. They said, well, well, where will you go? And I said, I'll go anywhere where people, where people will listen. And mm. they said, okay, well, where, where are you going to stay? And I was just like, wherever people will let me stay, I'll just go and I'll, I'll find my way. And, you know, so they graciously talked me through and said, you know, maybe you can have that impact just by staying at home. <laughs> so I... I, you know, I listened to wisdom, but I think from a very young age, that calling was birthed in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, 
it was funny growing up because I also had this other side to me that was very timid and very shy and very insecure, really. And and I didn't know how I was going to do the things that were in my heart, mm-hmm. but my dreams were huge. And I felt like I knew my limitations, though. So I, I grew up with this passion burning in my heart, this desire to do great things for God um, while facing off all of the weakness in my flesh, you know? So, wow. Yeah. That is so sweet. That's like every parent's dream. But also, <laughs> what do I say right now? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Your parents clearly did a good job and answered correctly. <laughs> yes. Um, so in your years without a title, you just mm-hmm. were ordained as a pastor in our church. I'll, I'll prerequisite. Is that the word? I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how did you cultivate that that purpose burning in your heart when you didn't right. have a title behind closed doors in the secret when you were working in an office and you were just serving on a worship team, not even the director of the worship team? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because it was definitely an evolving process in my soul. And mm-hmm. I think it's one that every leader has to face because sometimes in our youth, um, I had, you know, grown up with these passions in my heart and then I went to Bible college and and I came home from that and I had this like expectation that I would be used, you know, that I would now I would be a minister. I would be moving in ministry and not long after that I I got married and we moved to another town and I found myself working full time at <laughs> you know at just a job. Mm-hmm. And it was a challenge to my soul because I felt a lack of purpose in that place. And I remember walking through those years of thinking, God, why am I here Mm -hmm. and not where I know that you've called me? Mm -hmm. And I had to relinquish my own ideas about what the call of God was because so much is placed on a title and a position. Um, And I just, in those times, I would think, oh, if I could only work at church or work in the ministry, then I could be effective. Mm -hmm. But it was like God was shaping me into a a well-rounded person um, and almost like, I feel like he he didn't let me step into those roles on purpose so that my heart could be changed from this idea that ministry is about a title to the reality that ministry is about your walk with Christ and mm-hmm. how you can influence those around you. Yep. And so those were really important years for me to cultivate a real faith. And um, I was just saying the other day to someone how, you know, if you think that where you're standing isn't good enough because you don't have a title or no one's promoting you into the title that you think you should have. Mm -hmm. It reveals a lack of trust in God Mm. more than anything else. Because if we trust that God is who he says he is and Mm -hmm. has called us to do what he says he's called us to do, we have to trust that his timing is the right timing. And we have to sacrifice our own submit our own ideas about that under him and say, God, whatever you have for me in this season, I'm going to do, yep. I'm going to do well. Yep. And um, so, yeah, so I walked through, through a lot of years of that and it taught me how to come into the body of Christ in whatever capacity I could and just serve yep. because I saw that as true ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, it, start, it started to be revealed to me and, and there was even moments in my life where I said, you know, God, I had to reckon with things and say, even if I never have a title, Mm-hmm. I will always serve you. Mm-hmm. I will always walk this road because ministry isn't about a title. Yep, It's about the purpose of God being executed in your life. So. so good. And the fact that God brought you to that place in your soul is really what made you eligible for the title. Yeah. Like you had to be carrying that mm-hmm. reality in order to 
walk in the title correctly. And how many ministers are there in the world who are walking with a title, but they still have all these like issues in their soul that God brought you in, into purity in those places. That's one of the things I love about you and why it's so easy for me to trust you and to follow you is because I know your the purity of your heart and how much you pursue that. Like you've weeded out competition. Mm-hmm. You've you've weeded out uh, inferiority and I don't walk in this like beautiful Christ likeness. Um, <laughs> all right. So what has been your biggest difficulty in ministry? So I would say that for me, I love people. Um, and in my heart, I'm loyal. Like I, there's like a, a loyalty inside of me that I think I've always had. It's just how I was born. And in that, um, I, you know, I think we all expect from others what's inside of ourselves. Like that's, that's our baseline, our expectation for humanity. And I think walking through, um, church life and ministry, you can face so much, um, pain with people and so much betrayal and so much, um, even just people choosing to walk out the door of your life mm-hmm. and go a different direction. Mm-hmm. And so I think the process of walking through that in ministry has been the hardest thing for me mm-hmm. um, because I would trust people so implicitly. And I and I kind of had this heart that said, well, if I do everything right, if I treat people the right way, if I love people the right way, it's always going to end well. Mm-hmm. you know. And then you kind of go through experiences in your life where you're like, that didn't happen. That didn't end well. Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like not that I was perfect, but I felt like, <laughs> you know, my love was there for them and it still didn't necessarily produce fruit. And so when I had to face up against that, it was, it was a challenge because now I had to refine my footing, you know, cause we, we kind of come into life with these, um, preconceived ideas about what Christianity is, uh, about what what it's going to look like, about what relationships are going to look like. And sometimes they're disassembled. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now we have to rebuild on a better foundation. Mm -hmm. And so I remember there was a season in my life where I was feeling so much pain because of people, Um, people turning their back, people walking away, whatever the scenario was, you know, relationships broken. And, And it was really weighing on me. It was really um, this thing in my heart where I felt like I didn't know how to trust people again. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to love people anymore. And I retreated. Mm-hmm. I really kind of went into a place where I was like, I don't know, God, God, how am I supposed to open my heart? You know, to every person who walks into my life, how am I supposed to embrace them mm-hmm. with this love that you say I'm supposed to embrace them with while knowing that they might turn around and hurt me with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was a long process for me. It was a couple of years that I really grappled with this. And um, it's almost like, it's almost even hard to explain how I came out of it. But I remember that I would always just go back to the fact that there's hope in Christ. And, and, I, and I, had to, I had to keep hope alive. Mm-hmm. I had to not let go of hope. I had to not redefine life in some other terms based on my experience. Yeah, I wow. had to trust God's principles above my own experience. Mm. And, you know, it really was a challenge because you want to put up walls. You want to not trust people. You know, you you want to close parts of your life off. But through that process, I feel like God really, he healed me. He built me back into a better, 
better person and a better lover of people than I even was before. And he set my feet on a firm foundation and he surrounded me with people that I truly do trust. And then I truly learned through that season that mm-hmm. that there are those around us that we really can trust and we can trust their hearts. We can trust mm-hmm. their motives. And um, that was a beautiful thing to come out of and look back and say, look, I, I lived through that. I survived it. And now I'm better than ever. And I'm not afraid to love. Mm. So, so powerful. Yeah. I hope that everyone heard what you said about not redefining life through your experience, mm. but rather through the word. That's that's everything. That's like someone who whose parent treated them badly, people who are abused, and you can redefine your life and expect abuse and come out of childhood a defensive person. Mm-hmm. Or you can like forsake that birth and accept the love of the Father. That's like what ministry is. So it's like God brought you through that, and now... You're going to have this lens to like minister to people how to rewrite experiences to yes. match up with what God has for us. Absolutely. Heaven on earth. Woo, so good. Um, so from my view, watching a lot of these things go down, I feel like what I see being a difficulty for you is as a leader, people misunderstand you a lot. Mm-hmm. And not just, oh, communication breach, but like people misunderstanding your heart and the enemy coming in as a deceptive voice to twist things that you say, to twist things you do, um, and cause this, these breaches in relationship. Um, and I think that you, you've cultivated a good way of overcoming that in relationships. So what have you found to be a key for helping people who are kind of serving in your chain of command to help them understand your heart? How do you build those relationships? Well, what I've come to realize in being in leadership positions and going through those times of people misunderstanding, Mm -hmm. number one, I've realized that if in my heart I have allowed frustration Mm. or annoyance to come in based on what they've done, now me approaching them from that mode, um, I, I usually have a low success rate of winning people wow. because they're because it's how I'm approaching it. And so I've had to really learn that everything I do in ministry um, and in leadership isn't for the outcome of what I'm doing. It's for the outcome of the soul I'm doing it with. Oof. So valuing that person beyond where they might have made a mistake or where they might have messed up and seeing even even a mistake or seeing something I have to address, but seeing myself winning that person out of that issue is my motivator and my main my main driving force. That's changed so many things because we can easily become annoyed and we can easily become like, oh, I thought, you know, I thought we've already discussed this. Why is this happening again? Or, you know, we can meditate on the on the problem Mm -hmm. instead of meditating on the fact that we are um, called to people. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. we are called to to bring life to people. So I think that's the first and foremost way that I've you know, been able to cultivate a better way of communicating, a better way of being understood is that I'm leading with love. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shook. (laughs) (laughs) Not showing up in frustration to confrontational conversations, Mm -hmm. but showing up wanting that person to come out in victory, not just the the worship set to come out in victory. Wow. Like if everyone can hear that, if every church across the world can hear that and implement that strategy in leadership, Mm -hmm. 
oh my gosh, the wholeness that will result. Mm. Wow. I believe in your call so much. Um, just, I, I want to share with everyone, like what I see for your future yeah. is, is not just being the pastor in a church in central New York, but I see this apostolic call on your life to go out. Um, a lot of people would call it itinerant ministry. I see you preaching in conferences and it, that's starting to manifest. You recently had an invitation to speak at a conference in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the message inside of you and the, the heart inside of you just has to, it has to spread. Um, so many people need to hear what you have to say. So just a hundred percent shameless plug <laughs> for anyone listening. <laughs> if you need a keynote speaker at a women's conference or, um, not even just women, like, uh, a lot of times women get pigeonholed into this, like women's corner, like mm-hmm. women's issues just for girls. Like, I don't think that's you either. You have a message that men need to hear too about unity and leadership. Like how often do men show up in frustration when they're coming into a difficult conversation, like anyone can glean from that message. So bravo. Um, (laughs) So one of the things that I've learned from you and implemented in my own life um, is that you trust God for promotion into your destiny and you see him as your your PR agent. Um, You never are like bragging about yourself. And if you are in a situation where you are like, I should post this on social media, I'm speaking somewhere, you like approach that with so much trepidation. Um, How have you navigated that? And how do you stay patient? (laughs) (laughs) Patient with promotion. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that, and this is something funny about me as a person. I think that in my life, I dealt with so much insecurity that anything I ever did, I would question myself. I would second guess myself. I, I never was someone with a lot of confidence. But I had a lot of confidence in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so even as a worship leader, I never saw myself as a singer, but I saw myself as a worshiper. Mm -hmm. And as a preacher, I don't necessarily identify as a good communicator. I identify Mm -hmm. as someone who God is moving through. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, keeps me in a place where I know that I have no desire to birth things in the flesh and have to maintain them in the flesh. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to um, <laughs> push down doors and and walk into new territories um, that God hasn't called me to because I feel so completely dependent on Him for everything I do. Mm. And if He's not in it, I know there's nothing inside of myself that even wants to sustain it. Yes. Because when I'm facing, you know, when I come up against insecurity, when I come up against questioning myself, or when I come up against criticism, where I hang my hat is on the call of God. Right. And if it's not there, if mm-hmm. it's just my own efforts, if it's just my own agenda, if it's just my own, you know, pushing through doors in life, where do I find my confidence? You know, yes. so that keeps me centered, I think. Um, in a really important way where I evaluate everything according to that, mm-hmm. absolutely everything, because I never want to be in a position where I'm questioning myself and I don't have the word of God to fall back on. I always want to say, okay, this is why I'm doing this. And whether someone um, criticizes it, whether it's ridiculed, if I know God's called me to do it, it doesn't matter to me. Because I'm willing to be, you know, put to shame mm-hmm. for Christ. Um, so yeah, I think that's 
that thing that has made me like always, always patient in the process. Um, never, never wanting to step into territories where God hasn't stepped before me. Yeah. So good. Mm -hmm. I think of the verse, faith comes by hearing and hearing Mm -hmm. by the word. And it's his word that you're hanging your hat on. Like you said, so the word doesn't say faith in my calling comes by seeing my natural talent. Mm -hmm. You can't just step out on your natural talent because you'll fail. And how many people can we see in the world who have done that and are now suffering the consequences, preachers killing themselves and people on drugs and falling away from the Lord and children who aren't walking with God. I think a lot of times in ministry that the fruit of a minister who's had to sustain something in the flesh Mm -hmm. is children who aren't in Christ. Um, So for you, you Mm -hmm. are a mom, you have Mm -hmm. three kids yes, and your kids are healthy and whole. Tell us a little bit about motherhood, how you prioritize like this incredible call of God in your life and ministry and all these people who Mm -hmm. you're serving in the church and these kids who you want to raise in wholeness. Yeah. Um, So I, I've had this burning so heavily in my heart recently where whatever field you tend to and whatever seed you plant, and whatever seeds you nurture and water and give the most attention to are what are going to produce the greatest crops. Mm. And I've seen that as my children in this season of my life. And um, the call of God, the things that um, I want to achieve or that he is calling me to achieve through him, um, I don't I don't want to lay those aside. I don't abandon those. I think that he gives me grace to um, fulfill those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I've chosen to never lay down my motherhood for the sake of those things. Because in my heart, there's nothing more valuable than tending the garden of my children. Mm-hmm. I and At the end of your life, you know, you, you can have all the accomplishments and accolades. Um, but your family is going to be what matters. And um, so that's kind of where I draw strength from, um, you know, because mothering can be hard. It's high demand. Mm-hmm. It's It can be thankless at times. It can feel, especially when your children are young, it can feel like, are these days ever going to end? <laughs> Will I ever have a moment of alone time ever again? And, you know, and you carry that burden. But as I look back and my children have grown a little, I realize I carried that burden for their the sake of their souls. Mm-hmm. And now as uh, my oldest is 11 and I see some of the fruit coming out of him, some of the seed that I've planted, some of the the years of investment that were hard and and I was like, am I doing the right thing? Why am I doing this? Why am I sacrificing my life in this way? You know, I see these blossoming things coming out of him where he ministers to me on a regular basis. He will, when I'm having a hard day, he'll put his arm around me and he'll rub my back and he'll say, it's okay, mommy. I know you're just tired. Can I help you do anything? And I, oh, you know, I mean, it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's overwhelming to have yeah. your children begin to minister to you. And, and I know that that is fruit of the seed. That is fruit of the labor. That is fruit of tending to that garden. So, so yeah, I, I place a high priority on never letting any achievement or agenda get in the way of loving my children. Like I was saying before, it's about Mm -hmm. people. It's not about tasks. Yes. You know, 
So Good. they're my they're my greatest disciples. I will never have greater disciples yeah. than my children. Yeah. So. And your husband, he is now in ministry with you, but he also works full time. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a long time before now, when you guys have both been ordained, you were the worship director and he wasn't part of the worship team. So you were a female director over many men. Were there challenges that came along with that? Just talking about gender, sort of like, yeah. was that difficult? What is it like being a, a woman in leadership? Yeah, I think that um, there are definitely men that don't like it. <laughs> and I have faced up against that. And those times have been challenging because I feel the, um, you know, I feel the undermining. And um, But the great thing is, is that God is the one that empowers. And, and so God takes care of those scenarios. What I've had to learn, I think, as being a woman in leadership over men, something that I've taken on um, myself is to understand that men and women are different creatures. And they have different ways of interacting, communicating, you know, they have a different language they speak sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I have really purposed in my heart to not take um, the way a man communicates personally Mm -hmm. and become offended Mm. by it. Because sometimes, and I've observed, you know, with my husband and how he communicates with his friends, it's very just matter of fact. It's very just the facts and mm-hmm. move on. And and I think as women, sometimes we like a lot of explanation and a lot of emotion around oh, things. Yeah. And we like to be affirmed. And, you know, and we like to have this communication that's really emotionally affirming. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't get that from men in general. Sometimes you do. There's a lot of men that are good at it. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, generally speaking, there's a lot of men that are not. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to, like, in a way, learn their language and be comfortable with it. And when I don't feel affirmed or I don't feel that connection I would feel when I'm speaking to a woman, be okay with it Mm -hmm. and say, it's okay, that's who they are. And I can respect that. And I can find a ease of communication with them without like having this neediness. So so sometimes I think as women, we feel, um, not always, there are some men, like I said, that they don't they don't want to be led by a woman. But there are some men that are just misunderstood, I think. And yeah. it has nothing to do with our gender. And sometimes we can be a little maybe overly sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's just been my mission is to always have in my heart a place where I try to understand the people I work with really personally and really like on the next level so that I'm not misinterpreting them or misunderstanding them. Yeah. And also just approaching them as brothers, you know? I think mm-hmm. that's probably the crux of it too. It's like sometimes as men and women in ministry, it's like how do we approach each other? How do we relate to one another? And I just look at all of these guys that I work with as my brothers. And I in that place I can find this love for them in my heart. I can express love to them correctly. I can express even if it if it's confrontational, you know, if we have to have one of those conversation, I can go in and love and say I'm just rescuing my brother, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I've been able to navigate through that. That's so so good. I mean, I'm 100% guilty of wanting rebuke to be like in this wonderful compliment sandwich. If you have something you want to say to me, like put it right in a compliment sandwich so I can receive it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm receiving what you're saying awesome. and hearing it. That's really good and important. Ideally, I would love if like there was this equal meeting in the middle. I guess that's what mm-hmm. marriage kind of is. Like yeah. the man becomes more emotionally intelligent and the woman becomes 
more able to understand where he's coming from. You kind of meet in this Christ-like center. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess we're all on a journey into that place. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, that's another part of it is as a woman, it's helpful because I think I can help these guys to communicate better and to understand in the same way to say, okay, when you say that that way, we don't take it. Well, this is what we hear. This is what we hear. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you could try to say it like this and you'll get a better response. And I feel like that has been, that has produced fruit, you know, and people have learned like, oh, okay. I didn't mean to come across that way. I didn't know I was doing that and, and they can find a better way. And so, yeah. I think you've accomplished a lot in that area on our worship team. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. for chatting with me today. I think that there were so many incredible gold nuggets in what you said that people are going to be able to take and run with who awesome. listen to this. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure. Yeah.